Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is the Big the Bad episode number 50. 50. It's our golden anniversary. It's our golden anniversary, which is absolutely mind-blowing. I say that a lot of episode anniversaries. However, I feel like 50 is a big deal. It's one of those even-numbered big deals. Here's the thing. It's 50, and we have never missed a week. We were like an hour late once because Grandma's in the hospital, but I think that's okay. Yeah, we got it out that evening. But yes, we had reasons, but it still was there Monday morning. Can you believe it? We have never missed a premiere. That's true. It's easy when it's every two weeks. I should say easier. Uh, Let's say. I mean, we've pushed it. We've been close. However, (laughs) we've been drinking beer at Sunday mornings at like. Oh, God. Yes, we have to get it done as fast as possible because we have not had time. But We've, I've drank beer on Sunday mornings for you, dear sweet listeners, for you and you alone. We have done things we shouldn't be doing. That's exactly what it is. I don't know, man. I was Catholic for about 25 years, so drinking on Sunday mornings kind of routine. I, th- I thought you were going to say being Catholic something you shouldn't have been doing. Aww. <laughs> So, episode 50, Malthouse Games Podcast. We're a podcast all about board games, card games, tabletop games, RPGs, things of that sort. We talk about beer, we talk about games, and we've been doing this now almost two years. That is correct. We will have to do the two-year anniversary episode. That'll be coming up in the end of December, beginning of January, whichever one comes first. Then we need to do like a highlight reel. We need to do something. I don't think I want to do that much editing. I'll take a Oh my goodness, it's horrible. All the ties we had together. So, God, that eyebrow you're giving me. That's because that song's horrible and you're making it even worse. This weekend is Token Con, which we're super excited about. When this episode releases, it'll be the last day of Token Con, which means our next episode, 51, we will actually discuss Token Con and the closing slash award ceremony that we were hosting and everything like that. We are super stoked. Tomorrow night, we'll be rolling up to the convention after work and after I get my herded. And then Saturday morning, we'll be rolling up into the, to the convention in the afternoon so I can do my psychology and board gaming panel with Mr. David. And then Sunday, after everything is said and done at 6 p.m., Delton and I will be hosting the annual Token Con Awards Ceremony with special guest 92nd Nerd. So it's going to be a good time. Uh, if you listen to this on Sunday and you're going to Token Con Sunday afternoon, uh, we'll see you there. Yeah. Pew, pew, pew. This is weird recording this before we have it, but it releases during it. It's such a weird thing. Let's say something to our future selves. Good luck, Haley and Delton. Good job. We're proud of you. <laughs> We're lame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are. Because you know why? Why? Because we took a nap at 7 p.m. so that we would have energy to record this podcast. I wanted to make sure we had plenty of energy for the episode 50 and, you know, our podcast episodes. If you have energy, it shows. It comes through. If you're as tired as I am, sometimes it drags and I don't want it to feel that way to you as the listener. So we took a little bit of a nap and I really just wanted to go to bed at that point and, like, record later. (laughs) See, I can take a nap for 10 to 15 minutes and be golden. Delton takes a nap for 10 to 15 minutes, and he snoozes for another 28, and then he's like, I have to have at least about an hour and 15, hour and a half. My prime is like a two to two and a half hour nap, but it's just the way my body functions. My mom's the same way, where my dad's like, Haley, they can both sleep for like five minutes and be good. 
Yeah, it's excellent. It's wonderful. It's ridiculous is what it is. <laughs> I can fall asleep anywhere. It's a gift. It's good for you. It's bad a talent. for me. Talent. Like the time you fell asleep at the table when I was setting up Terra Mystica. I'm going to go to sleep right now. Good night. Yeah, our listeners are going to love that. It's just me being like, well, here by myself, doing all the talking. It's board games. <laughs> so... What have we done in the past two weeks since the last episode? Haley got to go to North Carolina. Sure did. Got to go speak at a convention at the Recovering from Religion Foundation's annual retreat. Got to talk about the fear of hell and the psychology behind that. And it was really fun. I felt like a mini celebrity the whole trip. It was weird. So I got like picked up at the airport and my stuff was paid for. And yeah, it was really kind of weird. And everybody talked to me afterward. It felt really cool, don't get me wrong. But man, it was a it was a hell of an experience. But um tis. But it's awesome you got to do it. I'm very grateful. I am super duper happy I had the chance to do so. And we've already been invited back for next year, so I look forward to doing it all over again. Hopefully next year I can go. That way I can take a vacation with you. Come stay in the cabin in the woods. I felt really bad because I went to this cabin in the woods in North Carolina. And had no idea I had cell phone service until about eight hours after I'd been there. And poor Delton been texting me. Yep, I'm like, oh, she died. That's it. <laughs> she got to North Carolina and got in the hills and some crazy hillbillies got her. That's exactly what happened. No, I felt bad. I finally got some internet connection uh, when I went down the hill a little bit. I was able to tell my sweetie what a good time I was having. Boom. So that was good. You came home and we've actually played some games since then. We sure have. Which was nice, which we'll talk about that at some point on the on the other episodes, but we got to play Tapestry and Pipeline. Those are two I would like to talk about on the podcast. I cannot say that we will in any near future. But I dominated both. She did. It was bad for me, but that's okay, because that was a lot of fun. Uh, what else have we done? If you all remember, I had to go to the dentist early this year, and I had a lot of work done. 14 cavities worth. I had a lot of work done. That's what you well, get for putting popsicle sticks in your nightstand. Well, the nightstand didn't do it. The popsicle sticks didn't do it. It was the popsicles that did it. I know. that. Actually, was... it was the non-flossing, which I fixed. <laughs> you did. I have fixed. Well, I went back from my cleaning to a A-plus report card of absolutely fantastic turnaround in every regard because I have not missed a single brushing and flossing. However... That's twice a day. One, yes. One of my onlays, which is a partial crown, uh, was cracked, like right in half. And I could feel that it was rough and I didn't think anything of it, but it was cracked. And so went in today, had that taken out. They cleaned out the hole and they put a temp <laughs> temporary in. And so I have to go back in two to three weeks and get the real one put in. Kind of sucks right before the convention that I can't chew anything really hard on that side of my face. And I have to be careful flossing around that tooth so I don't pull the temporary out. But that happened. This is my life. At least they're paying for it. That is true. It is for free. It's for free, which is great. And then we started running. I'm so proud of Delton. I am super duper proud of him. Running is hard. He's going from zero to two miles per hour. Or not two <laughs> miles per hour. Look at you. Look at you, fancy man. Two miles per hour. Really shuffle in there. Yeah. Doing the Delton shuffle. Doing the Delton shuffle. That's what I'm good at. All down the street. All down the no. street. We decided to go running and went to Mitch Park the first time, and it was a struggle that very first time. Well, because it was 85 degrees uphill against the wind, not even exaggerating, not and even. humid. 
But the second time was this morning, and guess how far Delton went without stopping? I went two miles without stopping. And not at two miles per hour. No, not at two miles per hour. More it was, like five miles per hour. It was an average of a 13-minute mile. I think it's like 4.6 4. or 4.7 miles yeah. per hour. But that's really good for me. So I started it's running. It's the first time you've ever ran that distance, right? It's the first time I've ever been able to run a single mile without stopping. Now, and this was two, even though by the time we were halfway through the second, my back was hurting, my breathing was starting to get heavy, and I was like, oh, no, it's happening. I'm dying. <laughs> but you made it, and you didn't die. Surprisingly. Haley loves to run, and I wanted to be able to run with her, give her the enjoyment of me going along. And so also health. It's a, you know, cardio is important for me. So there we are. Running is what we've turned to. I don't know how many board gamers run, but. You're one uh, of them. I guess I'm one of them now. Maybe. We can make a running board game next. Ooh. I don't know how that would work, but we could. Our powers combined. We can do it. Well, I think we need to sprint on out of this and onto the game. Oh, here's the door. Uh, uh. It's straight ahead. It's it's a game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was really bad. Oh, it's fantastic. However, we do have a game to get to, but first, in usual Malthouse Games fashion, I'm going to make you sit for like two or three minutes while we drink beer first. Which one would you like? Let's do the Adios Pantalones. So from Rar and Sons Brewing Company, which is out of Fort Worth, Texas. This is Adios Pantalones, a, where did it go? Cerveza de Session. So a seasoned beer, a uh, beer with lemon and yep. lime. What? Session. Seasoned beer. Session so beer. Sorry. Like, add that to the Delta no, no, no. School of Language. That wasn't even a translation issue. That was my brain going, it's a seasoned beer. You have, them, have a bunch <laughs> of them in one season. Rather than session. So we've gone through Listen, German, we've gone through French, now we've gone through Spanish. We went Delton. through a little Spanish last time. Okay. It's just a problem. <laughs> uh, this says, it is refreshing. Citrus notes and aromas, crisp and clean, light body, brewed with lemon and lime, pants optional, adios. And it says, prost, y'all. They have a southern drawl with a German prost on a Mexican-style <laughs> beer. It's very confusing. Uh, but it's okay. I can't quit laughing because I feel like people are thinking that we're making this up, like you're just planting these bad translations. No, but you're I'm not. not. I just am not good on my feet. Okay, <laughs> I can talk I about board games. It. I know, but you just keep making these random ass translations. <laughs> they make no sense. Well, this one was my fault. I just misspoke and All said seasons, <laughs> not sessions. <laughs> this is four point five percent alcohol by volume. Adios, pantalones. Not that mine's much better. My... I, I don't even have pants right now. That is true. You are in your undies and your flip-flops. I, I really <laughs> am. Boy, that paints a picture for the listener. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and a tank top. At least we're classy in that way. We got our... Yeah, but it's like a trashy... Covered. Even though... Oh, dang it. I crushed a can. Even though women no. can go topless now. Hold on. Yeah, tell that story. I'm going to see if I can get this can back to normal. So a ruling has happened in the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers like Oklahoma and Colorado, and it has ruled that based on case law, from what I understand in my limited law knowledge, knowledge that women can now go topless, like not have to wear a shirt in Oklahoma, which is really weird because in the last year, we have had the legalization of marijuana, of no shirts, 
and of carrying a gun without a permit or a license. So this is great. We are getting wild in Oklahoma. It's getting crunk all up in here, y'all. Something. All right, so let's give the beer smell. It does smell like a, a Mexican lager. It smells pretty good. It smells a little heavier. It actually has mm. a, a fuller body than I expected. Ooh. I remember this now. We had this on our trip to Gen Con last year. Did we? Yeah, we picked it up in Memphis when we were staying in that really neat old house in the attic. It's really good. It's got a pretty smooth feel all the way through. It's pretty heavy feeling in terms of its like total weight of the drink. It doesn't feel super, super light and crisp, but actually has some heft to it compared to what I expected. You know, like the difference between like country time lemonade and like a lemon water? Yeah. Like on your mouthfeel? This tastes like country time lemonade on your mouth. It doesn't taste like country time lemonade, but like the mouthfeel of it, the, the heaviness, but it's still refreshing. That makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly. Because it is a lot heavier than I expected. Yes. I'm a great beer reviewer. I don't get a ton, like, uh, like the lemon and lime's hard to place. I get a little lemon, more so than lime. I might also have a funky palate since the dental work today, because, you know, they're putting all that stuff, and I, I got this spot on my lip that I can't tell what's going on, but it feels like there's a coating on it, but there's not, and so I have no clue. Yeah, like half numb. Not at this point. It's just weird, but it's a pretty good beer. I'm, I like it. I'm okay with that. Good job, Rar and Sons. solid. So, the game for today is Point Salad from AEG. It looks like originally from Flat Out Games. Point Salad is designed by Sean Stankovic, Molly Johnson, and Robert Melvin. The production was Dave Lepore, development lead, Todd Rowland, director of projects, Nicholas Bongiu. Uh, creative direction were all the designers, and graphic design was Dylan Mangini and Flat Out Games, and then editing, Todd Rowland and Edward Bohm. So Point Salad is one of the games I wanted to bring home from Gen Con for Haley. They sold out the first day, and I went and talked to the people at AEG, and I said, it looks like you're out of Point Salad. You don't happen to have any more coming, do you? The person looked around, and he said, Saturday morning, because they sold out Thursday, didn't restock Friday, I don't think, but Saturday morning, they got a brand new full like set of the game in. So I grabbed one to bring home to Haley. Point Salad is a simple drafting style game. Uh, think Sushi Go, except you are drafting face up from the table. There are double-sided cards. One side is a way to score or lose points, which is your actual scoring side. And the other side is just a vegetable, whether it be a carrot, an onion, a cabbage, a tomato, or a pepper. And I think that's, I think that's the five. There might be something else. Lettuce. Lettuce, yes. It's right there on the box. Oh, yep. <laughs> there we go. So, these cards have either a vegetable on one side or that scoring on the other. There are three stacks of cards on the table showing the scoring side up, and then there are six vegetables uh, showing vegetable side up. You will take either two vegetables or one scoring card on your turn, and it goes to the next player, you refill, and that's how the game's going to play. The scoring side can be very simple. Whoever has the most carrots gets X amount of points. Or, if you have two carrots, every two like every pair of two carrots you have gives you three points a pair. Or every cabbage and carrot and pepper you have is going to give you five points. Things like that. You can have as many of the point cards as you want, and you can technically have as many of the vegetables as you want. But some cards will give you like one point for every cabbage, but minus two points for every carrot. 
So you don't want carrots if you have that card. The only other rule is at any time that you draft a point card, whether it's been in front of you for the whole game or you just drafted it, you may flip it over to its vegetable side. This can help you save points, help you gain points, or just help you get out from under uh, something that's fixing to hurt really badly, depending on how you've done. Truth. And that's how the entire game's going to function. This is what I like about the game. Aside from the box being a waste of space, because it's one deck of cards in a rule book, they could have downsized the box. It bugged the crap out of me when I opened it. <laughs> However, it's a great game. It's super, super simple, which is the biggest thing I like. You can teach it to anybody very quickly. It plays from our experience through the full, full scale. Does it go to six players? Is that right? Two to six players, and it plays well. The cards scale. You only put so many of each vegetable in when you play with different player counts. But we've had a lot of fun with it because it's so simple to get out. You just get it out, you play the game, the teach is super fast, and I like that it has that simplicity about it in the same way Sushi Go does. And it's also great because if, so like Dutton was saying, the cards are double-sided. One side is a vegetable of some sort, the other side is a scoring card. And so if you put out four or five scoring cards and you realize you can't complete two of them, well, you can just flip over that card and it reveals the vegetable. Now, you can't do it the other way around. You can't flip the vegetable over to reveal the scoring card. But if you get a little overzealous in the beginning, you're like, oh, snap, I can't fulfill all of these cards or I'm going to have negative points. Then you just flip it over and you got the vegetable. Yes, and you can do that on your turn, even if you've taken other vegetables. It's like an optional thing you have to do. Yeah. But that's nice because it helps you make up for mistakes. You know what I mean? Right. That's the best part about it, like you're saying. And even if mistakes happen, this game takes like 15 minutes to play. So if you make a huge mistake, then you can just get the start over within 12 minutes anyway. It's very quick, which is another pro for this game. Is it's, it's a small box. The reason I liked it is I like Sushi Go. Sushi Go, the reason I keep comparing it to this is a lot of people are saying that this is a game that if you're not a Sushi Go fan, you might like this game. Or if you're a Sushi Go fan, this gives you something with a similar enough feel that you can swap them out for people that may or may not like one or the other. Or if you're a husband to the wife who got burnt out on Sushi Go due to a dental or a tonsillectomy, then this game might be for you. So this is me. Haley had her tonsils out. Was that when we did the podcast or before we did the podcast? That was way before. That was back in 2015. Okay. So before we ever started the podcast, Haley had her tonsils taken out at a much older age than they recommend. Yeah, I was 23, and they did not recommend that. No, but she kept getting bronchitis and strep throat, strep throat multiple times a year. So they were like, we're going to take these things out. Rip them out. Snip, snap, snip, snap. Snip, snap, snip, snap. And <laughs> so I bought her Sushi Go, and we played Sushi Go, and we played Sushi Go, and we played Sushi Go. Well, and in we my defense, I was on a lot of pain medicine because the tonsillectomy after the age of 15 is god-awful. Oh, my God. I lost so much weight because I couldn't eat. I could not sleep. It was terrible. They recommended her take three weeks off of work. Just but she to take took my tonsils two. out. Yeah, just for tonsils. And so I was on pain medicine. And so all I could comprehend was Anthony Bourdain shows where I thought I was traveling the world every 45 minutes and playing goddamn Sushi Go because that's all my brain would allow me to do. So we got burnt out on Sushi Go. I, I did. He did. I don't remember much of it. So I'm still good. I don't mind it too much now. However, there are other drafting games I enjoy, but Point Salad now has kind of taken the place of Sushi Go for me as a very simple, easy for family. It'd be easy for kids to get. It'd probably be good for kids for math, to be honest. You know what I mean? And the fact that everyone can see what everyone's doing because it's you're not passing a deck of cards. You're just looking at the table. 
I feel like it'd be a very easy family game. Seconded. It's light and crisp, just like a salad before dinner time that you get at an Italian restaurant. It's a light and refreshing game. There you go. That's a good way to put it. Before your main entree. Before your main entree. Which is anything big, I guess, is how we're making this analogy. Yes, metaphors. I'm very tired. Metaphorically (laughs) speaking. Yes, so... Point Salad is definitely one I like. I recommend it if you like Sushi Go and other drafting games that are lightweight. It's just been simple, clean, and easy. Like a simple, simple side salad. Points. Hey, what can I get you? I'd like a topic. Any special way? Make it a top shelf topic. Coming up. Enjoy. Let's get into beer number two. We have a beer from Stone Cloud Brewery. So Stone Cloud Brewing Co., which is here in Oklahoma City, this is Astro Dog India Pale Ale. It says it's a hoppy ale with notes of grapefruit. Please keep refrigerated. I did not ever see before a beer that makes sure to tell you to refrigerate. I don't know why. Huh. That's interesting. It is. I mean, it's only, oh, it's only 7% alcohol by volume which is a high enough percentage that you could age it out of the fridge in a, like a dark cabinet. Like preserve it. But it's in a can, so as long as you don't get it hot and cold and hot and cold, you won't spoil it. I'm really confused. I am interested to try this beer and see how it tickles my taste buds. It's got a kind of interesting uh, layout to it with these like almost Lion King-esque, and here's vultures and a skeleton. I don't know. But there's nothing that talks about the flavor aside from hoppy ale with notes of grapefruit which probably means some citra hops. Citra hops. That's my guess. Seconded. Beer me. Oh, God. I can... Yeah, that's not a hint of grapefruit. Oh, Jesus. So that does smell like grapefruit. Taking that whiff. It smells like you just cut open a fresh grapefruit and stuck your nose in the rind. I can tell that it's citra hop. They must have uh, dry hopped it on citra or put it in at the very, very end for aromatics. Beautiful. Yeah, the citra is very much on the scent aromatic side oh, of this wow. beer so they didn't put the citra in early to really like absorb that grapefruitiness it's all mostly oh. in the smell high carbonation it's got a uh, foamy back foamy back of the mouth feel but it doesn't really have the bitterness that a lot of beers with citra hops have Mm-mm, it really doesn't it really doesn't so normally i think that stone cloud is a little too mellow for my taste i like more flavorful beers and i feel like stone cloud although it's not flavorful it just isn't as intense or as rich as most of the beers that I drink. Yes. However, this one, I feel like they've taken a, like an IPA, a style of IPA, and they've toned it down, but not in a bad way. They've kind of smoothed it out. If that makes sense. They did. I feel like most of the hop additions that make this close to an IPA, uh, just for you listeners, if you're not aware... In the brewing process, if you put the hops into the beer early in the boil, they contribute to the bitterness, that hoppy bitterness that you get in a lot of IPAs. If you're smelling it and you take a drink and it's something that like, it kind of lingers a bit, but it's more in your nostrils, uh, it's more of the aromatic side, which means it's a later addition. Sometimes the last five to 10 minutes of the boil is, if you throw hops in there, it's to the aroma. It's going to give you that smell. It's going to give you that on the nose. You know how they say a banana, if you hold your nose and taste it, it just doesn't taste like anything? But then if you open your nose and you can smell the banana, the flavor intensifies? Have you heard that? I think that's with all food, isn't it? Well, I think banana is one of the prime examples. Oh, okay. But th- this is what beer does 
especially citra hops, late, late edition, oh. it smells like an IPA. However, if you really focus on the taste outside of what you're smelling, the beer's super tame. There's not a lot of bittering hops put in early in the boil, and they've really taken what would just be a standard ale and added aromatics in the right increments that it gives the appearance, <laughs> the appearance of an IPA without the excess bitterness. Interesting. Huh. Learn something new every day, honey bud. But it's pretty good. I'm happy with that. That's probably my favorite Stone Cloud yet. Same here. Seconded. We need to visit their brewery sometime. Sometime we will, because they have a cool facility. Yeah. So, moving into the topic of today's episode, the topic is drafting. We are fans of drafting games. I'm especially a big fan of drafting, such as Sushi Go. And as we said, Point Salad is drafting, even though it is drafting from the table, not from a hand of cards you pass. Magic the Gathering is also drafting if played playing your cards right. Hey. Uh, you can draft a cube. Uh, and one of the most popular drafting games probably ever would be Seven Wonders. Right. Very easily. Drafting is a style of game that is definitely up there in my favorite mechanics. And I think part of it is it gives you a limited choice to work in. Me and Brian talked about this recently because it's how I feel about uh, a lot of things. We did a rotisserie draft for his magic cube, which means you look at the entire list, you just pick a card. Next person goes, they pick a card. When that comes back, you pick from everything that's still there and design your deck. I have a very hard time with that because within restriction comes creativity. If you're restricted to so many items, your decision-making space is faster and you could be more creative in that space. I always say it's like drumming uh, because I drum. If someone says, just play something, Okay, well, you just made it very difficult for me to figure out anything. But if you tell me, just play something, dr you know, bass drum, snare drum, hi-hat, and 4-4. Four, four. Okay, now smooth I've got something. Jazz. Smooth jazz. Now I've got something to work with where I can be more creative within those restrictions. And I feel like drafting is all about that. It's all about giving you a limited number of choices to work with and make the best of, so you have to kind of be creative. And I really enjoy that. Same here. And I like that in drafting, we all have pretty much a similar prob probability of getting cards, but you can take the same game and have wildly different directions that you go, especially if everybody has access to the same cards or at least access to the same kinds of cards. It is really interesting to see what kind of decks or what kind of tableaus or what kind of maneuvers you make based on having the same opportunity. Because you can have multiple different strategies based on what you draft and what you draw. Like in Seven Wonders, you can go heavily military, you can go heavily science. And even though we all have the same access to the cards, you have people who are specializing in these certain ways. And it's really fun to see what others create. And it's also annoying whenever you see someone take a card that you're really wanting. So if I'm building science and Delton takes a science, I'm like, damn you, Delton. Why did you do that to me? I thought you loved me. Well, something neat off of that, too is since you all have access to the same amounts of cards and people are taking different things, uh, within that, watching someone go for their strategy, you can decide to challenge them and try to take the same strategy and hope to win out. Or you can decide to let them have that, which then changes your choices based on what you have. And so it gives you limitations, but only if you want those limitations, because you can see the cards that aren't likely going to be coming to you. If your neighbor's taking all the science cards, you likely won't see as many science cards, right? But you can still choose to approach the science direction at least a little bit 
So I think it's fun that you get to see what people are taking and make the decision of, do I let them have this or do I take it and try to get the most benefit? Right. I think there's something strategic in that that's fun. And that's what I like, uh, Sushi Go, because you can kind of strategize, strategize uh, what you're going to take in later turns. And so if, like, for example, Maki Rolls, whoever has the most Maki Rolls gets six points. And so at first, you might pass through a couple of Maki Rolls, but you see those Maki Rolls come back to you a couple of times and you start to collect them. It's great for long-term strategy, too, because you can kind of watch the pot, see who's taking what, and strategize based off of that. Definitely. Drafting's just been something super fun, and it's it's part of it is, yes, there's luck base, because it's draw of the cards or, like, point salad, whatever cards are placed on the table, but it's one of those situations of luck input versus luck output, which I know I've talked about before. I don't know if we've done it on the podcast, but essentially, for a quick example, luck output is, I'm going to make this move, roll these dice, the numbers dictate what happens, versus, I'm going to move... I'm going to roll these dice. The numbers dictate what options I can now choose to do. And I love a little bit of luck mechanic because it keeps you on your toes. If you're able to uh, make a strategy for an entire game, that I mean, that's great. That's awesome. That really shows some great planning ability. You're going to outmaneuver the other person. But when life throws you a curveball or based on the cards you're dealt, hey. Hey, you might have the card stacked against you. But if you play your cards right, you could overcome the challenge still. So I like the little bit of luck because it knocks you off your feet. It keeps you on your toes. And because it means your strategy is not going to work out 100%. And you have to maneuver based off of that. You have to strategize based off that. Something Brian is very good at that I am not very good at is in a drafting situation or a drafting game or mechanic, you have to analyze which card is better for you in what situation. And that situation changes. So in Magic the Gathering drafting, it's, is this color open based on the cards that have been passed to me? And which of the cards, if the color is open, is better for not only in terms of sheer power, but also works with my deck the best. So there's a lot of information you can analyze within a drafting game. And with that luck, you have to also think, okay, what's my chances of getting what I need? What is actually coming back around? Things like that. Like in Seven Wonders. If you don't take a blue card worth eight points because you're thinking, I'm going to take this other one because I need it. If this, you know, I think it's the Pantheon might be the eight points. Maybe it's the Parthenon. I can't remember. But if this card comes back around, I can take it. But if I let it go, this person's been nabbing some blue cards and I think they have what they need to take it. Are they going to? And you can kind of play those in your head. And I just, there's something rewarding about it, taking that luck, but also taking what other players are doing putting it all together and trying to do your best. Figuring it out. And figuring it out. I just think it's a great mechanic, and I wish there were more drafting games. I think Magic has fulfilled the drafting scene enough as it is. They have, but a board game with drafting, I'm still never opposed to trying out at least. So since we like drafting in board games, how do we like drafting in real-life things? And now, join us. For a Malt House Games podcast special, bite-sized question. The Delton, why don't you start? So for the question today, we have the idea of what thing in real life outside of board games do you enjoy drafting in? I was using drafting in a different, I guess, terminology, a different definition of drafting in a rough draft of like a creative idea. I think that's pretty fun. But to keep with kind of the board gamey 
version of drafting. I'm going to cheat and just say Magic the Gathering drafting. It's not technically a board game. It's a card game, and it's a CCG, which we don't talk about often, aside from, I guess, our Magic episode back, like... Episode six. Yeah, forever ago with Brian. Uh, I really enjoy Magic drafting, and I also enjoy, you know, creative ideas and rough drafts of that because it kind of gets those juices flowing. And I went another direction. So back when I worked at the bank, every year we would have fantasy football leagues. And I was always a Space Cat Rangers. That was my team name. And I don't know jack about football. And here's the thing. I never won fantasy football, but I also never lost. That's what matters. That's what matters. I never came in last place in fantasy football. That's the way to do it. Or or in any of my... uh. Like March Madness brackets? March Madness brackets. I, I never came in last. I remember you getting close. I never came in last any time. And you I'm very like, proud uh, of that. This one's the bridges. The bridges are going to do good. I remember you talking about Yeah, the, the bridges and the dinosaurs, man. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I didn't know what they were. It just looked like a bridge. But hey, that, those are forms of drafting. Those are forms of drafting. And by God, I did not come in last place. You did not come in last place. Didn't win any money, but did not come in last place. Hopefully this weekend at TokenCon, I don't come in last place every game we play. You will Ugh. if you're playing against me. Oh. Boy. Only two-player, though. Yeah. Yeah. If there's anybody else, I think I'll be okay. Maybe. We'll see. But I think that's going to wrap up the episode today. I need to give a shout-out to our Patreon backers. Thank you, Alan, Allison, Jesse, and Catherine. You all are awesome for supporting us on Patreon and helping us out with all the equipment and things like that. If you want to be like them, and get shout-outs in random different places, whether it be podcast videos or on social media, make sure to go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. If you want to find us on any social media, it is at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K, and you can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-L-Y-G-E-E-K at Squirrely Geek. If you have a question for us or any comments or something you want us to talk about on the show, if it's a topic, a question to answer on the show, a game to look at, email us, contact at malthousegames.com. Thank you again for listening to episode 50. Thank you for either joining us on this journey of podcasting late into the game, or if you've been here since episode one, doesn't matter where you started, thank you for just giving us a chance to talking to your ears about beer and board games and random things. Thank you for being a friend, and thank you all for making this dream possible. (sighs) Thank you for being a friend. All right, we are going to close this down. If you're listening to this Sunday morning by chance, make sure to come to the award and closing ceremonies at TokenCon. And if you are not going to TokenCon, make sure to check out episode 51 in coming up in two weeks where we will discuss how TokenCon went down. Until next time, sit back, relax, grab a drink, and play some games. We'll see you folks later. Goodbye. Bye.